Well, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Crazy Happy, the podcast with me, Daniel Fusco. Super excited to have you all joining us today where we want to explore what does it mean to follow Jesus in this crazy world and uncover who he is and who we are in him and how it's all meant to work together. And so thanks so much for joining us. Also, many of you are just super excited about uh, the book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, which is available in all the different formats, whether it's print book or ebook or audible or all these different things. You can get it wherever books are sold, where we explore what is God's plan for human happiness. Now, guess what? So I I love getting right the book, but I really like doing the podcast because I get to talk to people who I think are awesome people who I just enjoy, people who I look up to, people whose uh, I watch how God uses them. And I think to myself, man, it is so cool that God created this person to do these things. And today I am so blessed to have my friend, Mark Clark, author, theologian, pastor of Village Church, Canadian. I I thought you were going to build up to like, I love doing a podcast with people I love and look up to and interesting. I mean, that's not today (laughs) because our guest is Mark Clark. Well, you know, what's so funny, Mark, when you've come down and taught at Crossroads, you know, uh, people are all the time like, I can see why you and Mark are friends. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's bad for you. It's definitely good for me, but you know, me and you getting together is madness. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I am doing well. I'm doing, I'm doing covid well i mean i'm looking i'm looking you got a you got a background on your book there i'm a little jealous here put that there you have jesus over your shoulder (laughs) that looks nice doesn't it well so listen let's talk about this so mark has not only is he pastored an amazing church village church up there in in uh it's not even just in vancouver anymore it's he's got campuses all over uh all over the nation of canada how many campuses do you guys have uh we have uh we have i think nine uh we have one in calgary and then the Winnipeg and Toronto ones are kind of in their core launch phase. And then we have five or six locally around the greater Vancouver area. So, so amazing. So obviously, so God's doing a great work in the church, but then you, you have multiple books that you've released. Your, your first book was, uh, you know, uh, at least in this season mm-hmm. was, was the problem of God. I know you, you had written a, a book on Paul before that, which I have a copy of and loved and, you know, um, uh, but your newest book, the problem of Jesus just dropped recently yeah. yeah talk a little bit about the whole problem of series because i know that this is going to be it's going to a series of book and sure. then we want to look specifically at the problem of jesus together so yeah. talk about that a little well, bit well the, the problem of actually came to me um the, the the first book already had a name and it's exploring like all the big top apologetic type questions about christianity right? hell and sex and evil and suffering and science and all that and it had a name. I think it was called like Skeptics Forum or something like can, that. Can I just say something real quick? I love the fact that the big problems are hell, suffering, and sex. So- I mean, I, well, I've never actually read an apologetics book that had sex in it. So I thought I'd write one. Uh, I think it's the longest chapter in the book. Uh, <laughs> I like writing about it. So uh, it's like, honey, I'm doing research. Um, so uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so then the book's almost published. Uh, and a guy just was reading something and he sent me a quote, one of our staff one day, his name is Michael. And it was this quote by Tozer, A.W. Tozer. I don't know if you know him, you know, we're so I, close. I, just, I just call him to- Tozer. Uh, all of the problems of heaven and earth, though they were to confront us together and at once, 
would be nothing compared with the overwhelming problem of God that he is, what he is like, and what we as moral beings must do about him. I was like, okay, this captures perfectly what I'm writing about. And of course, then there's the play on the word problem. It's an intricate matter to be settled, a question. So more in the math, I got a math problem that needs to be solved. But then of course, the double entendre of it's also a problem in the sense of we got to, what do we, you know, Jesus come shake stuff up. There's a scandal there. So that's what the whole problem of series is referring to. And let's talk specifically about the problem of Jesus then. Yeah. So, well, the problem of Jesus is that we have um, a bunch of people, skeptics and, and believers alike, who reject Christianity on the wrong stuff. They reject Christianity based on Christians who have fumbled the ball versus Jesus himself. What did he say? What did he do? Who did he claim to be? Did he really die for sin? Did he really rise from the death? What was his teachings? People aren't rejecting Christianity on that. They're rejecting it on, oh, look, you know, people have fumbled the ball. They burned witches. They There's nationalism in the church. There's hypocrisy in the church. It's like, right, yeah, because the church is filled with sinful people, you know, who are mistake-ridden and all the rest of it. We need to clear all that away and look at Jesus. Who was he? What did he say? What was he talking? What was he on about? What did he do? And then reject or embrace Christianity based on that. So that's where this book is basically everything I've read and preached about Jesus for the last 20 years put out there to basically say to the skeptic, I want you to believe. And to the Christian, somebody who always follows, I want you to be inspired. I want you to go deeper. I want you to see Jesus maybe like you've never seen him before. You know, and there's no doubt, Mark, that, you know, I know your story, but I want you to share a little bit about, you know, you speaking to skeptics about Jesus is a very personal thing yeah. for you because 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 of uh, of your journey. So you want to share a little bit about your journey, you know, uh, in, you know, as you came to know Jesus and, and your heart to be able to reach people who are far from God, people who are outside of the faith and, and, and some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in a pretty... Um, antagonistic home toward Christianity. And the, and the story that kind of captures that, that, that I tell people is uh, my brother, whose name is Matthew, he's four years older than me. When my mom had him, she was like, I want to name this kid Matthew. Uh, and my dad said, okay, that's fine, but you have to spell his name with one T because I don't want to spell it the way that's biblical. I don't want everything to do with the gospels. Uh, and then four years. So my brother's name is Matthew with one T. And then four years later, they had me and called me Mark. So clearly they guy never picked up a Bible before. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like he's missing the boat here. Um, so no Bible, no church, no prayer, no God, not part of our life. Uh, so I've always been like an evidential thinker. I've always been someone who's like, if I'm going to believe something, I want to. I want to see the evidence for it scientifically. So I started exploring Christianity uh, later in high school from that philosophical, historical science. I don't want to just believe something because it makes me feel good. I don't want to just believe something because other people believe it. I would actually believe this because it's true. And I found that, you know, Jesus, the Christianity was the best idea in the marketplace of ideas. So that's where my background is. And I wanted to go into the film 
world. Like I wanted to go, you know, similar to you. Like I had, I had different intentions than ministry. And so I had a group of people come around me from all different angles that didn't know each other in this cool little kind of supernatural story and just spoken in my life and said, I think you should go into ministry. And so I started doing, you know, school and then really loved academia and wanted to like, you know, serve people by being a scholar. And so I started going down that route. That's what moved me to Vancouver. And then when I got here, God was like, I want you to plant a church. I was like, why? There's no Christians in Vancouver. This is Canada, bro. Like, this is like, you know, when I speak in America, I like to say, I come to you from the future. Like, this is where your country is going. Uh, there's no Christianity. There's no, I don't care about any of that. And so um, we ended up staying here and planting a church in Vancouver and telling people about Jesus and people started to show up, get their life changed. And, but, but coming at it from that, how do I talk to the skeptic, the unchurched, de church person about Jesus every week? That was the heart behind it. It wasn't to, you know, gather a bunch of Christians and that's what started to happen. And then what happens is, you know, this new people bring new people. That's why our church grew. Uh, the, the guy who's been sitting in the pew for 20 years in the same pew, he ain't bringing anybody. It doesn't matter what you do. So I started talking to his friend and then sooner or later, his friend shows up because, you know, you build an environment first where you're talking to the skeptic and then the skeptic shows up, you know, you're answering those questions every week, you know, uh, don't assume anything. It's like that your neighbor doesn't think the gospels are real. So explain how they are. Your neighbor doesn't believe Jesus even existed. You know, I have a chapter in the book just proving Jesus actually existed because this is like a question now. It's like, what? You know, so, yeah. So talk a little bit because, you know, obviously people who are listening to this, they're in all different places on their on their journey of faith. And, you know, mm. and, and uh, so there, there are people who are, or who are listening right now and they're just like, man, this is a fun podcast, but I'm not sure if I believe all the Jesus stuff. And there's people who've been walking with Jesus and there's pastors and all these different people. But like very often when it comes to sharing about Jesus with other people, you know, Jesus told us that this is part of who we're supposed to be. You know, we go and make disciples, right? It's like the Great Commission says, you know, it begins like, hey, you know, make disciples. You do it by going and baptizing and teaching, you know. Uh, but most people are like, man, like, well, it comes to make disciples. Like, we'll let the pastor do the do the sharing about Jesus. And what if they ask me a question I don't understand? How would you speak to them? How would you encourage someone and say, listen, it's okay to be asked questions that you don't understand? How would you speak, speak to that? Well, First, let's try to get as much understanding as we can um, so that we can answer people's questions. And that's and, kind and of- hold on and do that by getting the problem of God and the problem of Jesus by Mark Clark. So let's, <laughs> let's put that in there first, because uh, you know, sure, I endorse both books, you know, so like I read them and I, they're good books. That's why uh, we're well, talking about this. So okay, keep you. going. Sorry. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and just and just really, you know, studying the Bible and thinking through these things and going like, how can I philosophically defend because we should want to do that anyway. One of my biggest, like people ask me what my big stumbling blocks are. One of them is obviously kind of evil and suffering, right? It's like, that's a tough one. And we as pastors, you're not going to pastor very well uh, unless you can have an answer to that in some way that's satisfying. It's not ultimately satisfying because there's always going to be the why did this happen kind of thing. But, you know, when I think about it from my skeptic atheistic standpoint, I realize that even to have the category called evil and suffering, I actually need some kind of transcendent ethic to put God on trial. Because if I was just an animal with only a million years of cognitive wiring in my brain, 
based on my experience in nature, I probably wouldn't deduce half the things I do morally. I need something else to give me those moral categories because because if it's just animals, then, a, dude, a lion eats a zebra. It's not murder. It's just lunch. But if we got to we got to figure it out, why do I not like it? If it's you know, so it raises these questions for me. And I think they're just better answers when you when you come up with a theistic worldview than a non-theistic worldview. Uh, and so some of it is just really exploring and saying, I got to better understand my faith. I got to better understand God. I got to better understand the Bible. All that. But then there's going to be there's going to be gaps. And the gaps are beautiful. Who wants, you know, as, a, as, as a, you know, the, in the crown, I don't know if you watch the crown, there's that one line where she's getting all dolled up and it's like, you know, she's basically becoming the crown and the guy looks and he says, who wants prose when you can have poetry? You know, why flatten this thing down when you can, you know, you put a little dust on this girl and it's magic. It's a fairy tale. It's, that's what you want, you know? And it's like, there's a piece of it. You know, Bonhoeffer said, let's, one of the jobs of a theologian is to retain the mystery, you know, because there's awe in the gaps, and so let's explore. Let's get the right answers for the doctrines and, the, and get it, get it all. Yeah, rich research. Let's leave in. My daughter the other day, she's ten years old. She's like, Dad, can people right now in heaven see us and what we're doing? I don't know. It's like maybe there's that passage in Hebrews, but I don't really think that's probably what it's about. You know, hey, and when we get to heaven, Dad, am I going to be able to talk to you? You know. So and so, and some author or something like is the like Daniel. You and I going to be sitting around with Lewis and Tolkien, going, yeah, yeah, you smoking a pipe and going, hey, what, what about what? Do you, I don't know because there's so many things the Bible doesn't tell. There's a gap, man. I don't, and so that's okay. You know, there's always going to be that. That's that's where faith comes in. But as I like to say, you run the ramp of reason, and then take the leap of faith. If you don't do that, then you're going to have a faith that's filled with whatever you think in the moment. And that's dangerous because depending on the culture and the, and the specific time you live in, you're just going to build a, a, a worldview or a faith. That's just what you think up, which is extremely dangerous. You're listening to the edify podcast network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the edify podcast network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. so good what you're sharing. And, and I think for all of you who are listening, I always encourage people that when you share your faith with people, you will always be asked questions that you don't understand. And my yes. favorite answer for that is, hey, that's a great question. And I want to honor your question. Yeah. So let me think about it mm. and do a little research. Mm -hmm. And then let me get back to you. And what you've done is first, you haven't given someone bad information, you know, which a lot of people don't embrace Jesus because along the way someone didn't really honor the question or gave them like a, a little plaque or didn't know how to answer and said something crazy. But not only have you honored their question, you've also given yourself an opportunity to have a second conversation about it. 
yeah. then you get to grow. And in a lot of ways for me as a, as a pastor, so many things that I've learned is along the way you get asked the question and you don't really know the, you're like, like, I know what the Bible says, but like, that's a very profound question. And I don't know if I have the answer. And because I don't want to get stuck not having good answers, I'm like, well, I better go find that thing out. And then you go and you research it down. You grab Mark's book, you open it up. Like, what, what do I say in this situation? And then you come like, oh, you know, hey, I thought about what you were talking about. And hey, here's the, here's the answer. And they're like, wow, yeah, that's real. I never, no one ever talks about it to me that way. And you're like, yeah, yeah. 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 And so it, it is always that great opportunity, you know, when we do share our faith and when we do get asked, you know, questions that are challenging, it gives us an opportunity to learn and grow. Yeah. And, and I think even pointing out to people, maybe the flaws in their own worldviews at times and letting people process, oh yeah, I don't, I'm actually asking this question to be critical, but I don't even have a worldview that's logical myself. And so having people challenge, like uh, uh, one example would be when I, so my family not being Christian, they love to say when my grandma passed away, they would say, at least she's not suffering anymore. I mean, that's generally what people say, right? Like you have someone in the hospital, they're dying, you know, so they're, 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 they look at me as someone with like, you have faith, you believe in all these things that can't be proven, Mark, and you're, it's silly. Then, then my grandma dies and she's not suffering anymore. And the question to me is, how do you know that? Like you, you have a faith position that tells you that nanny's not suffering anymore. In fact, she could be suffering more. There's nothing you can't prove. You have a metaphysical belief system about what happens to people in the afterlife, which is nothing. But how do you know it's true? And getting people to question their own worldview out of which they're trying to deconstruct or criticize yours is also a helpful thing. And like you said, invites the follow-up conversation. Now, okay, let's talk about this because, you know, you're, you're getting into something that I think a lot of uh, people who follow Jesus, and I know that not everyone who, who listens or watches this does, but like the idea of apologetics and different kind of approaches to apologetics. So that, you know, that, that word apologetics, it doesn't mean that we're giving an apology, like we're sorry for it. It's the way we explain it. And there's that idea that, and it's one of the things that you do masterfully, both in your books and also in your preaching ministry, is that you link up both what we can call classical apologetics, you know, uh, which is which is more of the idea of this is how we know the Bible is true. This is how we know that Jesus is a real person, right? So that's the idea of like, these are the things that we believe and these are the truths that we hold because of it. Yeah. But then you also link up what we scholars call presuppositional apologetics, where you're not beginning with, this is what the Bible says and this is how I know it's true. That's classical apologetics. Yeah. But this is what you believe and like the, the hearer's presupposition and yeah. now let me speak to you from where you are and, and, and let me show you both where there might be an error in what in your worldview yeah. or, or or your faith or, or your faith assumptions like you were just talking about. And yeah. also here's how Jesus also uh, brings now clarity and structure to your now destabilized worldview. And so it's this idea that not only are we here to tell you this is what the Bible teaches and why we believe it to be true and how it's plausible and yeah. rational and all these things, but this idea of precept, like where we start with what someone else believes. And I think one of the things that Christians don't do well is we, we have, we're so used to people uh, attacking our faith, you know, and, and, and questioning it that we never think, well, 
everyone's if if that's the way we're going to explore people's worldviews, then the playing field can be level. And as believers, we don't do it in an attacking way, but we do it in a way that is actually saying, listen, okay, so we're going to put my like. Jesus said, the measure you use will be measured back to you. So let's put your worldview on the same grid of, is it really plausible and how do you know as you're doing to my worldview? And I think it's something that you do massively both in the books and in your preaching ministry. So talk about that. Yeah, thanks. Well, I I think that it's important because I don't want, the motive behind it isn't to be like, hey, look at me. I didn't get stuck in your little trap. Like that's not the motive. The motive is ultimately do you really want to live your life in a worldview that's contradictory at its core? Then don't believe what you're saying anymore. Like if you're going to put God on trial for evil, but according to your own worldview, you shouldn't even have a category called evil because your worldview doesn't allow it. Then, then abandon it. Like, I'm not telling you, you have to, that, that, that instant you become a Christian. I'm just telling you, let the instability of your own logic at least rock you a bit. You know, I use the word scandal in the, in the subtitle of the book. It's like, there's a scandal to Christianity. And the scandal is that we, we all get told we're kind of wrong, you know, about God. All of us, we're wrong about salvation. We're, the wrong, we're, we're wrong in trusting in beauty and success and money and fame and sex and uh, to save us and give us meaning and purpose in life. That's wrong. We're lost. We're the younger brother and the prodigal son. We're lost in all these different ways, whether religiously we're lost or from the classic kind of secular ways, we're lost. And that's offensive. There's a scandal to that. And then it's like, can I, you know, can I trust Jesus to, to make me found? And, and am I willing to be kind of discombobulated by him? So I think that's important. The other thing that's important uh, in, in the world that we live in, Daniel, is uh, I think it was Charles Taylor years ago pointed out, uh, building off something Leslie Newbigin said. He said, when we're doing preaching or living missionally in the world, evangelism, whatever, one of the things that we have to understand is we don't so much live in a secular society as much as we live in a pagan society, meaning we, we're not just coming in going, hey, guys, you're all, none of you have gods, and now we're going to present Christianity to you. It's that we live in a society that actually does worship gods. Power, money, beauty, fame, other religions. And our job in the missional task is not just to come in and go, I'm going to start from zero. And it's like, oh, there's a bit of deconstructing what you worship to then replace it with the true worship of the one true God who's found in Jesus. That's part of the task. And that, you know, adding that into the conversation would be important rather than just leaving people where they are. Yeah. It's really powerful. Cause I think we have a tendency to think that, Oh no, they don't believe in God. So they don't believe in anything. And really what you're saying is that every worldview, because you know, we're wi- we're wired to find ultimate meaning and worship and things in you know in God, but we're wired, but we but when we don't do it, we end up finding ultimate meaning in influence yeah. on TikTok or you know, like can I, you know, get this thing done or or whatever. Yeah. Now, now talk a little bit about this. You know, as somebody, you know, obviously, like I've gotten a chance to to preach at Village and, and met lots of people there. You know, talk a little bit about the journey that you see for people who have never really followed Jesus. The journey that happens when 
when when you know you're calling into question the worldview uh, and then, you know, that that journey that people go on from I walk in and yeah, I'm a skeptic, but I'm going to this church because there's a cute girl who I met and she goes to this church and I want to hang mm-hmm. out with her. And, and there's a great, great way to hang out with her or whatever. And, and the journey that 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 is for people. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. So two weeks ago, uh, we baptized 42 people and I got in touch with one of our stats people and just said. How many people have we baptized in the last 11 years. And they said 2000. Now that to me is crazy because, you know, to come back to your question, what makes a person? So it's not just a bunch of Christians coming from other churches going, Oh, look, you know, Mark's hairstyle or something. Definitely not that. You do have a great hairstyle, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah. It's getting, it's going, it's going back more and more. Our foreheads are getting bigger because we're getting yeah, smarter. Think, yeah. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. I don't know whether you're ever going to lose your hair, but but 2,000 people. What causes 2,000 people, adults, like 40-year-old men, 80-year-old people, 14-year-olds, you know, to come to know Jesus and, 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 and go into the waters of baptism? Like something special is going on there. And uh, it usually starts with a kind of questioning of exactly what we just said, um, questioning of their gods. Maybe they've walked away from the church. Maybe they grew up in the church and they walked away from it. Or maybe they've never gone. There's a guy, we baptized someone. They've never been to a physical location. They came to Christ in an online service. And they were getting baptized because we haven't gathered again since uh, COVID started. Uh, There's another guy sent me an email. He said his father was a psychic. And he was a psychic. And he's come to know Jesus. Kind of coming out of that life and giving his life to, you know. So, it looks different for everybody. Sometimes it's, you know, it's funny the the way people come to Jesus because people constantly, you know, in the missional church movement discussion, for instance, the constant discussion is, you know, you need small, intimate. That's where people come to Jesus. Like I never would have come to Jesus in that. I need, I need an arena where I can sit and think. I'm not, if, I, if I'm coming into your house, sitting in your living room, bro, I'm probably freaking out if I'm, if I'm not a Christian and there's like seven people looking at me, like, let's do this together. I'd be like, yeah. So I think there's both. And there's different personalities that come to know Jesus in different ways. And I think some people get their faith deconstructed at village a bit. You know, it's funny. Everyone's like jokes that uh, a few things, they know that their faith got rocked and they know we were in the Bible but if someone walked up to them at lunch and said, what was that sermon about? They wouldn't even know where to start. Right. They're like, I, 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 you know, I basically would fail every preaching class in Bible college today. Right. Cause I don't have one big idea. I'm all over the map. And so people know they were challenged and changed or whatever. Uh, but they're not sure what the one big idea was. And so when you hear people, they get their faith deconstructed, but then they're also looking for Mark. Tell us what to do. Like, give us that thing we can put on our fridge. And I'm not really good at that either. Uh, Cause they're like, I just want, but what they do know is their faith got deconstructed and they gave their life to Jesus. Something profound happened. And then a transformation starts to happen in their life where their marriage starts to get healed or their whatever the practical transformation implication is. um, And it just looks different for everybody. So the journey is fun to watch them. 
So good. Now, to change gears just a little bit. Yeah. I know that you are a husband and you're uh, a girl dad. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you have girls. Yeah. How has that, because like you have an older brother. Do you have any other siblings? Nope, just an older brother. Okay, so like, so like, you know, you're, 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 you, you know, you're, you're, you're bold and brash. And, and I always love it when you've been preaching a lot, you know, it sounds like you've been, you know, gargling with nails a little bit. Well, and, I only and, a few years ago, <laughs> you know, and so, but, but talk about how Jesus is using, you know, you like you're in a, you're in a family full of ladies, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I know like, you know, you, you know, one your I think it might be your oldest daughter is the same age as my middle daughter. And, 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 and when they hung out, they were like fast friends. And so like, um, you know, you're, yeah. ra- you're raising young ladies, you know, how is that impacting your life? The way that you see Jesus, like how is yeah. God using this stage of marriage and parenting to, to transform oh. your life? Oh man, that's a whole, that's a whole other world, man. It is. I realize. um, you know, I'm, I'm like an eighties dad uh, and it doesn't work. <laughs> That's it. No, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you know what I mean? Like uh, if I'm going to, you know, I, I got to teach these girls how to survive in the world. So I'm constantly like, come pick up your stuff. Come to, Hey, do that. Yeah, you know, and, and my wife's like, just, just chill. Like this <laughs> freaking military, just like, I'm like, yeah, but I, I got to teach them. If they're going to have a job and they got to make sure. And that's what's going through my head. It dawned on me recently, like, I don't think that's how I'm going to get results out of girls. Like, I, I, I think I could get results like that if, if I was raising boys. Like, come get the garbage. It's your job to do the good. That's your job, you know. Because uh, I'm like, you know, I constantly say to my girls and my wife's not around, you know, uh, the world is not going to be nice to you. You know, I, you cannot, so I'm trying to toughen you up. And then she's like, yeah, don't know. That's not really the thing. Like, <laughs> so I, I remember I'll, I'll give a good example of this. Um, my daughter, my wife was away for two days and uh, we were doing something. We were supposed to go out to a friend's and they were all excited. And there was this one task they were supposed to do and they didn't do it. So I said, okay, they're all at the door changed. Coats ready to go. I said, we're not going anywhere. What do you mean? Till this task is done. It was going to take a long time to do it. Daddy crying, crying, crying. I said, guys, your tears aren't working on me. Like you're, you're wasting time. We'll go, but it's only when you're done this task. Cry, cry, cry. And I remember, I guess one of them texted my wife. You know, daddy's basically a gong show. Come save us. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and she texted me back. She said this one line. She said something like, remember, relationship over rule. And I was like, crap. Like, I preach that every day. I preach it every Sunday. Uh, you know, spirit of the law, letter of the law. But that was really profound. Like, when you're talking about raising girls, a relationship with those girls is going to be more important than any dogma you can hand down from the mountain. Um to try to make them obedient by habits all the time. So uh, I'm, I'm learning, man. I'm learning. But they're, they're fun. They teach me a lot. It's all sanctification. And we have a lot of fun. I'm more of an artsy. I'm like you, right? So I do a lot of movies. As the kids grow up, they're starting to become daddies, like daddy's girls a bit. Because my wife watches stuff like, I don't know, when calls the heart or whatever this nonsense, you know, whatever. <laughs> 
And I got the I got the girls like, right. Like like the love stories on the planes where where where, yeah. where 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 the woman lost her husband, and then there's like that the strong godly man who who falls on the, those movies. I we, I know these. I know yeah. these. I have girls. I know these. Yeah, and I got my my oldest two are now like we're watching Dark Knight together downstairs. <laughs> so now they're turning into them and kind of turning on mom a bit, and like you know they're doing Joker lines to my wife who's horrified and thinks that's like you know terrible and so my kids are loving it so uh they're, they're slowly coming around so good well you know I, and i asked the question because like i realized like i'm always trying to remind people that that the context of our lives is the curriculum for what god wants to do in our lives yeah. you know and, and so and, and knowing you as i do you know and 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 i'm always like man like for all of my my friends who are dads of just girls it's like there's always these great stories of like Man, like if if I had boys, it would. I'm trying to do like how I'd raise a boy with raising with raising my girls, and it might not be the smartest thing, you know. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to give you the opportunity just to share about that a yeah, little bit. I got lots know? of that, lots of that. Now, 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 tell me this, Mark. So as you look around, you know, and we just have a few more minutes, you know, for the podcast here. As you look around, what God is doing you know, in this cultural moment, you know, obviously, you know, we're recording this now and, you know, the first half of 2021, it's 2020, but it's still just 2021. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just the calendar change and a lot of things haven't changed. And then so, yeah. so for certain people and certain where they live, it, maybe things have changed a lot, but, but we're, we're, we're on the, we're in the Northwest. And so it's like, everything's always a little bit, we're, 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 we're future past always, yeah. you know, um, and you see what's going on in the world. What is some, maybe a thing or two that you're like, man, I just wish that the people of God would really embrace this in the midst of all of this. Other than just Jesus, obviously. Like, obviously we want people to embrace Jesus. That fixes everything, but. Yeah. I posted uh, a little meme that I found and and saved the other day. And it was like 15 straight times of the New Testament says love one another. And it was all the citations of of those passages. It'd be, that'd be kind of cool. You know, if we just, if we loved one another versus, you know, I think I said like, it doesn't say be cool to one another. It doesn't say deconstruct one another. It doesn't say complain and, you know, whatever. It's like love. Like, you know, what would it look like for us to love well? One another, though. Like, we talk a lot about loving the world. And obviously, we're supposed to. But there's a piece of it that's like, do we love the church well? Like, you know, or do we beat each other up a little bit? And, you know, uh, so that'd be kind of cool to see happen. And for, you know, the church to be about the right things versus some of the things that we've gotten wrong, you know, like the the modern kind of American Canadian version of Christianity that probably needs to die, you know, whether that's, you know, materialism, um, the comfort, the idols of, of the Christian life, right? The family, the comfort, the money, what, what would it look like to have those pride out of our hands so that we can like really hold on to God and treasure him above everything. You know, when, when, when we baptize someone, I say to them in the water, do you take Jesus as your Lord and your savior and your treasure? Because there's lots of people who like will take Jesus as Lord, like, you know, teach me stuff or, or savior, like save me from hell and sin, but to treasure him above everything else in the universe is like the main thing. Um, and so how we could do that well would be would be good. Yeah. So there's a couple ideas. So good. So if people want to find 
you online? Where do they find you? And if people want to get a copy of The Problem of Jesus, your newest book, or The Problem mm-hmm. of God, which is your previous book, which is part of that problem of series, yeah, where of can people find Mark Clark and all the problems that he yeah, is addressing? I, I would go, I mean, the book, the easiest thing is this little website called Amazon.com. What's uh, that? I've never heard of this before. It's an up and coming, just little, little mom and pop right now, but uh, they're fighting it out. So let's help them out a bit. And uh, jump over, yeah, Amazon's probably the easiest. You get it in a couple of days uh, for the problem of Jesus and the problem of God. And then uh, Instagram, I'm pretty active on that. So Mark underscore Clark, people can usually find me there messing around. And those are probably the two big, big ones. I'm on Facebook too, so. Cool, and you have your own, you have your own podcast as well. Where can people find that? Yeah, um, well, probably the better one to follow would be the, uh, the Village Church Sermon one. So it's called Village Church and Sermons in My Name. Uh, but then I also have a podcast. So if you just type in my name, the Mark Clark podcast should come up. And I, I post on there, probably not enough. I'm not, I'm not as consistent as as you, as organized as you, but uh, I do put stuff on there. So, so good. Well, Mark, yeah. thanks so much for being with me. All the best to you and your family, man. You're doing awesome. Dude, you too. And so all of you out there, thanks for joining me, Daniel Fusco on the Crazy Happy Podcast. We want to encourage you. Listen, share your faith. Sprinkle some happiness around. Gosh, the world needs it and so do we. God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.